Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. The 2022 Winter Olympics is now in the history books, but without controversy. As China hosted the Winter Olympics, its track record on human rights was often in the spotlight. So why are religious freedom advocates increasingly concerned about this powerful nation? And what is it really like for Christians and other religious minorities to live and worship in China? Here to pull back that sometimes very dark curtain is Bettina Krauss, editor of Liberty Magazine, which is the sponsor of this show. Bettina joins us via Skype. Ms. Krauss, how should we feel about a nation that, on the one hand, promotes competition and fair play on an Olympian level, while at the same time doesn't even meddle when it comes to human rights? Help us understand. I really like the way you've put that, Charles. But let's understand what the recent Winter Olympics in China was really all about Mm -hmm. from China's perspective. Mm -hmm. And it was more than simply the need or the desire for national prestige or for the economic bounce that usually comes with hosting events of this kind. What China was doing was engaging in a massive international public relations exercise. Mm. They want legitimacy. They want a normalization of relations with Western countries. So their message throughout these games was, we're open, we're free. There's nothing out of the ordinary to see here, folks. Mm, mm, mm. But quite clearly, there is something to see in China. You know, notwithstanding this attempt to whitewash the situation there. You know, one of the most surreal moments for me came during the opening ceremony where an ethnic Uyghur Muslim participated in the torch lighting ceremony. And it was, if you followed anything about uh, China's track record on human rights, you would, you would see this as an almost brazen, yes. an almost cynical yes. attempt to say, look, we have a Uyghur Muslim, someone who you say is part of a persecuted minority in China, but look, they're participating in this key moment of this international event. You know, for me, my mind went immediately to the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, where you had the Nazi regime engaging in this sort of similar process of public relations, where they invited the world to Berlin. But before they did that, they got rid of the signs that had been posted along highways saying no Jews allowed. Mm. They got rid of the anti-Semitic newspapers from all the newsstands. They even invited a token Jewish athlete to be part of the German Olympic team. It was a woman, a fencer who had a, a Jewish father. And They did all this to lull the world into a sense of complacency, which by and large at the time succeeded. So what we saw here recently in China was an effort on a major scale to divert attention from what's really taking place there. 
Does China think we don't know what they're doing? Are they really believing that, hey, we pulled one over on the world, wow, with our Olympic Games, good for us? Yes, I don't know. I don't know. But this is the strategy that they're engaged in. I think, though, there are enough independent, well-documented reports that for anyone who is interested in exploring more, they will see quite clearly that the human rights violations of China over many decades have been documented and are widely accepted in the international community. I mean, there's something like 1.4 billion people living in China. About 200 million of these are religious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's Chinese Buddhists, there's Protestants, which is actually the fastest growing religion in China at present. There's Muslims and there are Tibetan Buddhists, which is a persecuted minority as well. But the thing with religion in China, Charles, is that it wears two faces. Mm-hmm. Back in the mid-2000s, I helped organize a group of religious leaders to visit China. And we went to Beijing and we met with various religious officials there. But the people that we dealt with were members of the so-called three-self patriotic movement. And this is sort of an official structure which cares for Protestant religion in China. And each of those religions I mentioned also have their own governing body. Mm -hmm. And this group, the Three Self Patriotic Movement, they tell religions who they can appoint for leadership positions. They closely monitor training of religious personnel. They often get involved in decisions about how and when religious events are celebrated. There is a a very strong regulatory system in place for official religion. But I said religion wears two faces. The other face is the unofficial religion that exists in China. Those groups, and I'm talking now just of Christianity, although it exists in other religions as well, in Christianity, they're known as house churches. And these are groups that have refused to become officially registered and to submit to government authority. And it's estimated, although it's very hard to get hard numbers, it's estimated that these house church members actually outnumber the official Christian membership in China by about two to one. Wow. wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a significant movement. Now, to really understand what's happening in China, you have to understand why religion is being regulated. The Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, is the governing authority in China. It is officially atheist. You cannot belong to the CCP unless you are an atheist. However, China's constitution officially protects religious freedom and says religious freedom can exist. However, they sharply divide protection of religious belief and protection of religious exercise or action. So while belief can be free, no one can tell you what to believe in the privacy of your own mind. They regulate every aspect of action. And it is because religion is perceived as a counterforce to communist power, as a potential threat that will fracture the cohesive national identity that the Chinese Communist Party wants to build around the CCP. And so that is why religion is so closely 
monitored. So not only is religion perceived as a threat to this national cohesion, but when religion is associated with an ethnic minority, such as the Uyghur Muslims or the Tibetan Buddhists, that also is seen as an additional threat. So in the case of the Uyghur Muslims, you see re-education camps having been established in northwestern China, where currently some two million Uyghur Muslims are interned there. They are being forcibly re-educated, which means their culture and languages are being eradicated. Uh, they're being re-educated into the religion, if you will, of the Communist Party. In the case of Tibetan Buddhists, you have religion there being so tightly controlled that there are surveillance cameras set up outside monasteries which have facial recognition. And so everyone who enters religious orders in Tibet is closely monitored by the government because they're seen as a threat to this central. So this is what is behind this tight control of religion. It's, it's for a purpose. And that purpose is to solidify and protect the national identity of China around communist ideology and to protect the power of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. I cannot figure out, Bettina, why Christians and these different groups are such a threat. They don't have an army. They don't have weapons. They don't have a budget to build a military up. What is communism so afraid of that people might disagree with them? Is that their problem? Well, well, it's a totalitarian system. And so, yes, disagreement is seen as a threat. My. Disagreement is simply not an option. It's called the sensitization of religion. And that simply means that religion in China is being reshaped as far as possible to reflect the norms yeah. and the values of communism. You know, there was a major religious gathering, state religious gathering late last year, and the president of China attended. And he made clear in his speech that pastors are expected to preach sermons that embody and encourage core communist values. Oh so this is the level of control that's being exerted. Now, you and I both are Seventh-day Adventists. Liberty Magazine is operated by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. How is Adventism working in China? Is there any news there? Adventism operates within the same system as, as every other Christian Protestant denomination, which is under the auspices of the Patriotic Three-Self Movement. Mm -hmm. Adventist churches can operate officially, Adventist pastors can work, but there are very tight controls. There is also a very clear demarcation between Chinese Adventism and Western Adventism. So any influence, perceived influence from the West is tightly controlled in terms of money going in or personnel going in. There is simply not that option. So I would say that as with every other Protestant denomination in China, it is growing autonomously with ties to the main body of the church that are very, very loose. Yet here in this country where we have all these freedoms, church membership is declining. We are not being controlled by anybody. The government's not telling us what to do yet. Our membership is slipping. Why is that happening? 
This is called the paradox of persecution, Charles. <laughs> this is something that defies, this is a spirit-led thing. Mm. Uh, this can only be something that is divinely inspired, and that is that when Christians are persecuted, the result is not a shrinking of the church, but in many cases, an expansion wow. of the church. And we're seeing this, you know, I'm, I was reading recently some stories from individuals who belong to house churches, and the strength of their faith is just humbling as they navigate a very difficult terrain, constantly fearful for their safety, the safety of their families and of their congregations. And yet, even when some of them are given the opportunity or could possibly leave China for, say, South Korea or, or some other place, they choose not to because they say, this is where God has put us. This is where we have been planted to be shepherds. That, to me, is incredibly humbling. Bettina Krauss has been our guest today. She's the editor of Liberty Magazine. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Bettina Krauss, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>